how did the Gepid Princess Rosamund become a central figure in 6th century politics? Find out today on Footnoting History. Hello, this is Nicole, and welcome to the July 26th episode of Footnoting History. This morning, we'll be discussing the 6th century, a period of serious upheaval and shifting alliances, through the life of Rosamund, a Gepid princess who witnessed the rise of the power of the Lombards, including their final defeat of her people and their invasion of Italy, before she delivered a near-fatal blow to their new kingdom. In the mid-6th century, both the Lombards and the Gepids lived in the Balkans, along the Danube River, which formed a frontier zone with these quote-unquote barbarian groups on one side and the Byzantine Empire, the continuation of the Eastern Roman Empire, on the other. During the Gothic Wars, 535-554, the Lombards became allied with the Byzantines against the Ostrogoths, whom the Byzantines, led by the Emperor Justinian, were trying to drive out of Italy. Justinian sought alliances with other barbarian groups not only to help him defeat the Ostrogoths, which had been ruling Italy since 493, but also so that these groups would not partner up with the Ostrogoths against the Byzantines. With good reason, Procopius, our main source for this region in the 6th century, states that in 539, as Justinian's general Belisarius was marching on the Ostrogothic capital of Italy, the city of Ravenna, the Ostrogothic king Vitigus sent an embassy to the Lombard king, Waco, along with a hefty amount of money for the Lombard support. Waco, however, refused because of its alliance with the Byzantines, which was also likely bought with plenty of Byzantine gold. The Gepids had also been allied with the Roman Empire as Federati, or Federate troops, and received customary contributions from the Byzantines. In the later 530s, the Gepids took Sirmium and used it as a base from which to raid the Byzantine Balkan provinces. Consequently, Justinian cut off payments to the Gepids and began to favor the Lombards more heavily. Procopius states that Justinian gave the Lombards Pannonia, modern-day Hungary, and money, although it is possible that the Lombards were already in Pannonia at this point. Byzantine diplomacy saw the Lombards, Gepids, and other groups as barbarians, who were always in a subordinate role to the Byzantine Empire, which was seen as the Eternal Empire. And the Roman Empire continued. Note that historians use the term Byzantine to distinguish this empire from the earlier Mediterranean-wide Roman Empire, but the 6th century Byzantines considered themselves Romans. That said, as we can see, the Byzantines relied on them to help wage their wars and played groups off of each other in attempts to weaken them. Following a few conflicts between the Lombards and the Gepids in the late 540s and 550s, in the 560s the Lombards, led by King Alboin, went to war with the Gepids once again, this time with plans to destroy the Gepid kingdom. In the lead-up to the war, both sides sought allies, and although the Byzantines, who had previously supported the Lombards against the Gepids, stayed out of it, the Lombards allied with a powerful new Slavic group in the area, the Avars, promising to split the conquered Gepid lands with them. Now back to Rosamund. She was the daughter of the Gepid king Cunimund, who was defeated by this Lombard-Avar alliance, which was led by the Lombard king Albuin. Albuin killed and decapitated Cunimund. Other members of Rosamund's family, including her uncle and grandfather, had also died in the Gepid Lombard Wars. Rosamund herself, and many other Gepids, became Lombard captives. Since his first wife had died, Albuin married Rosamund. The Gepid War ended in 567, 
And soon after, in 568, the Lombards began to invade Italy, which had been reincorporated into the Byzantine Empire in 554 with the end of the Gothic Wars. Now, I've been talking about many different groups, Ostrogoths, Gepids, Lombards, but note that the army that King Albuin led into Italy consisted of soldiers from a variety of ethnic backgrounds. As the early medieval historian Patrick Geary has argued, barbarian ethnic identity was highly fluid and coalesced around successful war leaders. The army probably included Gepids and other peoples from the Balkans. When King Albuin initially led the Lombards from Pannonia into Italy in 568, he quickly subjugated the northern Italian cities of the Veneto and Liguria and conquered the Po River Valley with little resistance, except for Pavia, which he finally took in 570 after a prolonged siege. With the Byzantines of the Italian peninsula united against these so-called barbarians, the later exarchs, basically the governors of Italy, focused their efforts on preventing the creation and spread of the Lombard kingdom. For the Byzantines, the sparsely populated Po Valley in northern Italy was seen as an expendable frontier zone, which they had largely abandoned after 569-570 in order to concentrate resources on the region seen as vital for both political and economic purposes, such as the Ligurian coast in the northwest, Rome, and their capital city of Ravenna. In the course of the decade following the initial invasion, the Po River itself became a true frontier, both diplomatically and militarily, of the Byzantine Empire. Now, Ravenna, the seat of the Byzantine government in Italy, posed a threat to the Lombard kings as the major center of Byzantine power in the region and as a haven for Lombard rebels, who threatened the continued existence of the newly forming kingdom. The Po River, terminating at Ravenna, marked the boundary between the Byzantine Empire and Lombard-held lands, and served as a conduit between the Lombard Kingdom and the Byzantine administration in Ravenna, a conduit dangerous to the Lombard kings given the Byzantine policy of trying to win over Lombard rebels, including, as we will soon see, Rosamund herself. Soon after the siege of Pavia in 570, Rosamund conspired with Albon's followers to have him killed. Paul the Deacon, our main source of Lombard history, states that Rosamund started planning to kill Albuin after a royal banquet in Verona, during which he told her to be merry and drink with her father, and thus compelled her to drink wine from his skull, which he carried on his belt. It's pretty obvious that Rosamund wanted to kill Albuin out of revenge, but there were others who also wanted to see the king dead for their own reasons. According to our source Paul, Rosamund persuaded her lover, Helmichus, who was also the king's arms-bearer, to help her kill her husband, Albuin. Helmichus suggested that they approach a certain Peridaeo to do it, but he refused, until Rosamund tricked him into having sex with her. She was pretending to be a servant. Once he found out that he had already committed adultery with the king's wife, he was willing to kill Albuin because he was afraid that if he didn't, Albuin would find out and kill him. After another feast, Albuin went to bed, drunk, Rosamund had his sword bound to the bed so that if he did happen to wake up during the murder, he wouldn't be able to fight back. It's difficult to tell in Paul's account who killed Albuin, Helmichus or Peridaeo, but regardless, for Paul, Rosamund is predominantly to blame, with the help of her lovers. Scholars have noted, however, that Albuin's death was not just due to a woman scorned. Helmichus, part of the king's inner circle as his arms-bearer, wanted to become king, Immediately after Albuin's death, he married Rosamund in order to basically marry into the kingship. Although this strategy was not successful for Helmichus, and he was not accepted by the Lombard aristocracy, this strategy was used again with more success not much later by Agilolf, who became king in 590 after marrying Athari's widow Theodolina. 
Of course, the fact that Helmichus was implicated in the king's death, as was the queen that he was marrying, probably worked against him. Scholars also believe that Lombard and Gepid soldiers in the then capital of Verona, and possibly the Byzantines, also helped. After Albuin's death, Rosamond, along with Helmichus and Albsuinda, Albuin's daughter with his first wife, fled from Verona down the Po River to Ravenna with the royal treasure, with which consisted of objects with great material value and objects with symbolic and legitimizing value, including the cup made of the skull of Rosamond's father, Cunimond. Although the extent of uh, Longinus, the Byzantine ruler's participation, is unclear, he certainly welcomed Rosamund in Ravenna and probably played a part in instigating Albuin's death. Paul recounts that Rosamund, in an effort to gain favor with the Byzantines, married Longinus, who got her to try and kill Helmichus. Rosamund tried to poison Helmichus, but he figured out her plan and made her drink the poison herself before committing suicide by also drinking it. So what happened to poor Albsuinda, who, still a child, was carted off to Ravenna? Well, Longinus sent Albsuinda, along with the Lombard treasure, to Constantinople, for much the same reason that she was taken to Ravenna in the first place, because of her political worth. As with the non-murderer wives of previous rulers, their daughters could be married to create a dynastic link into the royal family and a claim to the kingship. It's possible that the Byzantines wanted to use her to install a Lombard king that was pro-Byzantine. There is evidence that the Byzantines sought to instill Byzantine values in the hostages taken from barbarian peoples in order to have pro-Byzantine leaders upon their return to their peoples, most notably but not entirely successfully in the case of the Ostrogothic king Theodoric. Unfortunately, there is no further reference to Albsuinda in our source material. Meanwhile, in the Lombard kingdom, after Albuin's death, Clef took the throne, but only ruled for a year and a half before he himself was killed by one of his men. Thereafter, the Lombards decided to not even have a king for ten years, and ruled their duchies independently. At the same time, the Byzantines and the Franks, another group to the northwest of the Lombards, were fighting against the Lombards. The Lombards themselves were not unified, with some dukes switching sides and going to help the Byzantines or the Franks against other Lombards. Although the Lombards elected a new king and submitted, thereby acknowledging a subordinate relationship to Childebert, the Frankish king, in 584 to defend themselves against these threats, the death of King Albuin led to serious instability and fragmentation in the still-forming Lombard kingdom. In the Middle Ages, the legend surrounding Rosamund continued to be passed down, not only in the writings of Paul the Deacon in the 8th century, but also in popular culture. In the 16th century, nearly a thousand years after the events described, Rosamund's story, full of intrigue, betrayal, and death, inspired Giovanni Rucellai's tragedy Rosmonda, on which later Italian tragedies were based. As I hope you've seen, however, there's much more to Rosamund's story than a great tragedy. Rosamund witnessed and played a role in many important political events, and her life demonstrates the strategies that people used to get and legitimate power. This has been Footnoting History. If you like the podcast, be sure to visit our website, footnotinghistory.com, where you can find links to further reading suggestions related to this week's episode, as well as a calendar of upcoming podcasts. You can also like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter at History Footnote. Until next time, remember, the best stories are always in the footnotes. See you next week!